Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listener, and welcome to episode 210 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here, filling in for Matthew Wade because, well, listener, let me paint a picture for you. England rugby won their biggest score against against Ireland, 57-15. England's cricketers won one of the greatest test matches in the history of the sport. Arsenal played OK at Anfield. Tottenham lost. United lost. It's sunny out and it's a bank holiday weekend. So if you're thinking that Matthew Wade is on the piss, you're right. <laughs> and frankly, so is probably everyone in England right now. So it's a very European podcast this week with myself, Stephen Bradley, filling in. And joining me on the line is uh, Anita Sambal. Anita, how are you? Hello, hello. Yeah, I wish there was a bank holiday in Croatia today. <laughs> so do I. It's go- I'm, I'm staring at the window of my little box room, which I call a studio, and there's not a cloud in the sky, and it's like 25 degrees, and I'm, th- I'm thinking, why aren't I in a beer garden right now? <laughs> there are some clouds here, but it's pretty hot. It has been for a while now, and yeah, it's just insufferable. Well, that's just Croatian summer in general, I assume. Yeah. Yeah, like we we get twenty four degrees here, and it's like right, everyone to the beach. But it's night. I don't care. It's twenty four degrees. Get out. <laughs> it's not going to be like that again all year. Get out now. Yeah, I mean, when we were in Manchester earlier this year, there it was like twelve or thirteen degrees, and wind was blowing, and I had my hat on and winter jacket, and there were girls walking around with short dresses yeah. without, without any stockings. It's, it's just just a nice day. <laughs> And you was like, wait, like, no, what, what is this? <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, a bit of an, it, it, an upbeat start to the podcast. It's the the Liverpool result has split the fan base very fifty fifty because again. again, again, it doesn't take much. Yeah, and and here we go again because half half of Arsenal fans think that losing three one at Anfield isn't the worst because Liverpool are one of, if not the best team in the world right now. They're the European champions. They're the full team out. They're really, really bloody good. And no matter what we did, we were going to lose. And the other half is going, well, hang on a minute. We're Arsenal. Like, we're not Stoke. We're not Newcastle. We're not supposed to just trot up there and try and defend. We're supposed to fight fire with fire. We're supposed to give them a game, at least in theory. Where, what side of the fence are you on here? Well, if if we had some listeners last week, I predicted a win. So, (laughs) that was a... uh a bit more optimistic than my usual self, but I'm on the first side. Yeah, they are definitely one of the, if not the best team in the world at the moment. They had their best team, not only top players that are they are available right now, but the, these players have been playing together for a season at least, or even more. And they are, you know, they all know where where each one has to stand, where what to do, where to go, and I think that we did okay. The we ha- we came there with the plan because we before we have come there, you know, to outplay them and to score more goals and to you know bring our game to them. But uh, this got, weekend and got thrashed first half yes, the time. Yes, exactly, exactly. And this this weekend it seems like we did have a plan. Yeah, it might have been a bit defensive and not so 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 much fun for us going forward. But it worked pretty well until they they scored and. You know, it's not really cool thing to say, but what if <laughs> Pepe or Aubameyang use their their chances? Yeah, it's, yeah. You can say yeah, they will come and score two or three more goals than us, but I mean, it's football. You never know. I think that we started well. We looked 
like we might get something out of it you could have seen you know some uh, surprise tweets like oh we are still not losing and oh it's only one nil at halftime so yeah it's it's one of those ones where i i can unfold i don't know that i want to both sides it but i can see where people are coming from yeah exactly exactly you know like i get why a lot of fans want arsenal to turn up you know with their chests out everything else out and go right we're arsenal here's we're gonna play Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe and we're going to try to do to do to you what you're trying to do to us which is you know press up put you under pressure make you make mistakes and then we're going to capitalize on that and I think that might probably be the long-term goal but with so many new players in the side trying to get them all integrated in I think this test was just too early for them and I think Emery went look this is this is my best idea I'm not going to let Firmino have any of the ball. I'm not going to let Mane have any of the ball. I'm not going to let Salah have any of the ball. Which yeah. is a which is a great idea. You know, fantastic. Play, you know, a couple of de- a couple of defensive midfielders try and keep the ball blah blah blah. But with Liverpool, it is very much a case of picking your poison. Because if you do that, if you compress your midfield so narrow, you're letting two of the three or four best fullbacks in the world have the freedom of Merseyside. And you're daring them to beat you. Mm. And not that there was a goal coming, but the pressure was starting to build after Pepe's mischance. And you, you could sense that Liverpool were going through the gears and something was going to happen. And look, the, the set-piece goal was it, was... it was unfortunate in the fact that Socrates lost Van Dijk for, a, for about a second, went to go grab him, and Guendouzi just caught, got caught in the middle of the two of them. Yeah. And he was supposed to be marking Matip. He's sandwiched. He can't move. Matip goes, lovely, I have a free header. It's in the net. It's 1-0, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to attack them. And from then on, Liverpool just pick them off at will. And that's, again, that's not a case of Arsenal being bad. That's just a case of Liverpool being really good. You know, the second goal... <sighs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean... Like, David Luiz was... In terms of organising the defence, in terms of making clearances, he was really good in the first half. Yeah. You know, like, like the corner wasn't his fault. It wasn't his man. But the second... <sighs> He let, he let Firmino go for a second and look, Van Dijk did it to Pepe in the first half. He had a little bit of a tug of his shirt. The only thing is that Van Dijk did it when he knew the referee wasn't looking at him. He knew the referee was going to be looking at the ball where Pepe was kicking it. Yeah, it was nowhere near as obvious as well. David Luiz might as well have got out a megaphone and went, I've pulled him back. Like yeah. It was clear to everyone and then in this new VAR age, it, even if the referee had gone, Jess, I don't know what happened there. I think I'd better go to VAR. It was going to get called back a million times out of a million. So he's got caught doing something that all defenders do. But because it's David Luiz, we're going to criticise him because it was David Luiz who did it. It was just, I mean, he has so much experience in defence. Yeah, we know that it, he does, he did sometimes, you know, have some, some blunders in, in Chelsea and in Brazil. But it just was a really, really silly, silly mistake. I don't know what what was going through his mind same as with that pass uh, against against Burnley yeah well that's that's the problem isn't it like with David Luiz you get the good and the bad will that happen in in every single match um like no one no. moment of madness no. from him well when he when he rejoined Chelsea from Paris Saint-Germain he made he played ninety nine games for Chelsea in the Premier League and he made two errors that contributed to a goal. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's it's not like he's a slapstick defender who 
was, you know, completely, you know, out there every game. He was competent. He wasn't fantastic, but he was better than what he was. And he freelances. You know, that's that's his game. You know, the whole point of getting my my thought process behind getting David Luiz in was that, yeah, great, because now we won't have to play Jack anymore. Because we won't be relying on Jack's long 60-yard passes anymore because that's what Luiz does. And yet he didn't do that much against Liverpool. That, no. That's one thing that really made me angry most most of the match. Them passing around in front of Leno, you know, just some small passes, risky passes. Yeah. While you have Aubameyang and Pepe on the other side just, you know, waiting, waiting. to outrun Liverpool defence. Yeah, like if the plan was to get, you know, as many central midfielders into the, into the game as possible to limit Liverpool's space, then it didn't work because... Liverpool had all the space in the world. The you know, Fabinho had the ball 35 yards out from goal numerous times. And again, if you're going to let one player Liverpool have the ball a lot of time, it's probably going to be Fabinho, but he was able to go, right, who will I give it to this time? Will I give it to Robertson or will I give it to... Tra- I'll give it to Robertson this time. Like, there was no pressing. Even though we had two defensive midfielders in Xhaka and Gwendouzi, Willock, who's capable of tracking back and is good on the ball, and Sabayas, who was really good at it against Burnley. You know, we were playing four centre mids, but none of them were pressing. It was like they were just trying to cover off space, but they weren't even doing that very well. It was, in theory, it's a good idea to play so many centre midfielders so that you, you know, you narrow Liverpool as well. But Liverpool just went, oh, you're doing that. Okay, we're just going to run around you. And as a result, our plan, unless we got the ball really quickly to Pepe and Aubameyang, didn't work. Do you think it's that, like, like lack of preparation or playing on with that plan in other matches a little bit i mean you know it's probably good that's probably the first time they like the first time sabias has ever played in the diamond probably um pepe when he was playing for lille he was when uh, marcelo bielsa was manager there he'd play pepe as a center forward and it didn't really work so they shunted it out right wing and then he became magic so it it was very much square pegs and round holes you know, like Willock left. Willock was basically playing left mid all game, and he's not a left midfielder. I know he did one brilliant nutmeg on on Alexander Arnold, but apart from that, his job was just to get the ball and give it to someone else. And if that's the way you're going to play, then like Aubameyang could have done that playing left wing. Yeah. You know, so it, again, I don't, I don't fault Emery's idea. I fault his impl- implementation of it. If you're going to play a diamond with Ceballos in it, then Ceballos has to be one of the two centre midfielders. He can't be the link man in, the, in number 10 because, as we saw, he got no ball. He was invisible completely. Yeah, you know, he got no ball all game. The one time he was able to get his, his foot on the ball was when he was in our basically outside our corner flag when he nearly gave the ball away to Mane because he had nowhere to pass it. I was surprised that he didn't something more uh, the halftime. Yeah. At 1-0 when you're like, okay, this... It's working, but it's working despite our personnel, but not because of it. You know, like, when, even after Salah scored his brilliant third goal, and I know David Luiz is getting criticised for that, but I'm not calling Salah Henri. I'm not. Yeah. But I've seen Henri score goals like that for six years, mm-hmm. where he'd, he'd be, there'd be two, three defenders, he'd get the ball, he'd shrug one off, he'd motor pass the second one, cut inside, ball in the bottom corner, slide into the corner makes it look so easy as well ridiculously and it was exactly the same with Salah you know he's that bloody good you know it's like oh well David Luiz should have tried to, he should have closed him down well then he just would have just ran past him yeah. 
You know, like it's like, Luis had no good option there. He just took the least bad one. He tried to close him down and at least try and take him out. And Salah still bet him. Yeah, and he, and he was on a yellow card. And... Yeah, it's not like he could have taken him out. Yeah, like if he wasn't on a yellow card, I can guarantee you he would have. Yeah, hundred percent. And that again is, you know, that's because he got you know penalty uh, a, a yellow card for giving away the penalty. It's yeah. so. There's again, there's there's positives and negatives from that. There's negatives in that. Would you want to see Arsenal play a diamond with Sabayas at the ten again? Probably not. Do you want to see a formation that only plays two of our best three attackers up front? Probably not. But are we ever going to get to the stage where Unai Emery feels comfortable in playing what ostensibly is our four best players, our four best attacking players, and that is Ozil? Aubameyang, Pepe and Lacazette in the same team mm-hmm. and if the answer to that is no then why do we have them? Yeah. I think I think that's going to be the big question coming up to January. If, if I would be shocked if those four players play more than four games together. Like starting. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, those four aren't going to start, uh, they're not going to start against Tottenham, right? <laughs> You know, and, and that's a problem. Like, if, if you if you, you can't put your four best attackers in the same team, like, well, I mean, there were some you know impressions, gossip, and rumors, and everything that we are trying to get rid of Mesut Ozil. Well, I'm sure we, like, everybody has a price, right? Yeah. Like, there's you know speculation going around that Nacho Monreal might be leaving for nothing. And that instead of getting money, we might get like first refusing a whole load of Real Sociedad's young players, which is grand, but the timing seems a little bit off to me. Yeah. Like if Kieran Tierney was back in full training, the same way Rob Holding is back in full training, and it looks like he's going to be playing in the the League Cup game this week. If if Tierney was back in full training like that and he was about to start, then I'd be okay playing Clash Deck for a couple of games. International break is coming up after the Spurs game. We've got three weeks. We might be able to get Tierney back, but I don't think Tierney's going to be back for another month. Yeah, I think that he starts uh, full training in late September or October. Yeah. So the idea that having one... I mean, Mark Bowler can play there, but yeah, like... (laughs) I've I've already got one centre mid playing right back as it is. Yeah. And... and I mean, Nacho is not, you know, world beater in in his position, but he does... Well, that's okay. He was okay. He was okay yeah. on Saturday. Like he did a job. Yeah. Again, you know, Salad, you know, didn't didn't do anything for the first sixty five minutes really. It was only when we spread out and it was, you know, four and three where he was able to, you know, stretch his legs a bit. I mean Mane even made Nile, to be fair, Mane did nothing. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, Firmino had the odd chance or two obviously got in for the penalty, but like in terms of a defensive back forward, Arsenal did okay. It was just I would have been more if if this game was three weeks later, this game was like in the middle of October, and instead of playing Sabayas at ten, we were playing instead of playing Guendouzi and, and Willock, we were playing Sabayas and Torreira mm-hmm. in front of Xhaka. Yeah, I would have been a lot more confident of the game plan being implemented, and that's not a slight on Guendouzi and Willock not being good enough. They're not good enough, quote unquote, yet. You know, Torreira's just a far better defensive midfielder. He's the best defensive midfielder we have in the club by a street. You know, he he him alone would have made a, a huge difference as he did when he came on. 
I know Liverpool took their 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 foot off the pa- off the gas a little bit, but you know they couldn't. Last twenty minutes, Arsenal were the better side. Definitely, yeah. I think that Guendouzi really didn't have such such a great game that he, he had. didn't have a bad game, but it was a case of he you know he was asked to play a completely different role as what he was used to, and he spent basically thirty minutes the the second thirty minutes of the game standing in front of the right back. Just because he didn't want Robertson running down the left all game, and as a result, there was no out ball. Yeah, I think Emery definitely should have changed the plan when he saw it wasn't really going, and not wait to put Lacazette in. Yeah. Until what eighty first minute something like that. Yeah. So. Which, as as a token gesture, you're three 0 down. You bring on your fifty five million pound striker. Like <laughs> yay. <laughs> yeah, uh, he brought in Toledo and we were 2 0 down. Yeah. Bring on a defense midfielder 2 0 down, bring on a striker at 3 0 down. I mean. Yeah, Opa should have done the opposite. Yeah, the, at least the other way around. Yeah, or or I would have put Lacazette in at halftime instead of Ceballos. It, it was interesting to see that he played Pepe from the start instead of Lacazette, though, because Aubameyang and Lacazette have shown that if it's up to the two of them to score goals away from home in a big game, cough, Valencia, cough, mm-hmm. they can. Yeah. Like It's not like they're untre- untested as a partnership. He just wanted Pepe because he was quick. And uh, Well, I mean, Pepe was man of the match. By he was good. Pepe was, Pepe was really good. And But if I'm Lacazette, I'm going, hang on. You played two up front and I wasn't one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would, I would be asking questions if I was him. Not about long-term futures or anything like that, but it's like, really? Like, you played the two of us up front away in the Europa League all year, and we were brilliant. We won multiple games for you. You know, I won the Napoli game away from home. We won the we won the Valencia game, me and Aubameyang, away from home together. Like, we're really good. We're a great partnership. Everyone, everyone knows that we're a great partnership, yet you broke that up because our little lad's a little bit quicker. Like, Maybe he's still having some issues with his ankle. Maybe. Just, you know, can't handle the whole match or be that fast. Yeah, but he played against... He, he played and started against Newcastle. Or Burnley, I mean. Well, we'll subbed off. In yeah, that's true. I mean, that's... No, no, no. That, because, that, that, because, you know, he subs him off pretty often. Well, that's the thing, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> I, like I said, it... it, it there's gonna, there's gonna be a, like I said, there's a lot of you know columns out there and podcasts out there already, like breaking down why they did this, why they did that, and again, I don't, I don't take too many long term judgments away from that game because a, it's Liverpool away, you know, b, they're, you know, they're out, they're flying, they haven't been beaten in the Premier League at home for two and a half years, they should have won, forty-one matches, yeah, they should have won the league last year. If it wasn't the fact that Man City are an incredible team too, you know, like Liverpool, Liverpool have played three, won three. You know, they've won the Super Cup, they've they've won everything in front of them, and they're 94 to win the league. Yeah. And that's silly. It's just silly how good Liverpool and City are right now. Definitely. You know, they're miles better than everyone else. And for us to, you know, let's go up there and give it a shot. Yeah, we we could have given it a shot. We could have played three up front with, you know, Ceballos, Guendouzi and Willock. And, we and, get, and, and could have got thrashed. <laughs> and then what would the criticism be? He should He should have played more defensively. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, always it's, it's the opposite. And that—that's why you know. That's why I think the Tottenham game is so big. 
because now you can't play defensively. I think that we can. I mean, when the season started, I've seen this match at, at Anfield and the one at the Etihad as 90% chance to lose. Yeah. You know? Dropping points and yeah, no, no problem at all. And and the matches against Liverpool and City back at home, I give them like you know fifty fifty chance because yeah, we are at home, we are playing much better, but they are all still <laughs> fantastic teams, and you never know what how that will go. But all other matches, I think that we can definitely handle them. But uh, in terms of quote unquote a statement of intent, I think if Arsenal welcome a Spurs side that are struggling for form right now that are refusing to play three of their best players because they want them to sign new contracts and all three of them want to leave that lost to Newcastle lol like if <laughs> if 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 we approach that game in the mindset of we have to stop them instead of how do we beat them like instead of going right we're going to play our best three for forwards up front maybe still keep us on the bench until after the the international break and just let him get his head right and then first game bring him back and then play you know Torreira Guendouzi Ceballos as your midfield tree because you don't need to worry about physicality because they've got Harry Winks playing at the base of their uh, the base of their midfield and if Sissoko plays then Sissoko plays but you let him have the ball because he can barely pass water let alone a football it's like you know if they if they again decide to if they play Son they play Kane they play Lucas fine if they want to drop Ericsson, great. If they don't want to play Lo Celso, great. <laughs> if they don't want to play Alderweireld and want to play Davis and Sanchez instead, great. You know, so like instead of us looking at them going, oh my god, they've got you know so many good players, we need to be going. No, we need to figure out our best chance of winning, not our best chance of not losing. Yeah. We need to figure. We need to start working on a way of getting Aubameyang, Pepe, and Lacazette in the same team every week. That should be the focus, whether it means Lacazette playing left wing or Aubameyang playing left wing. Because the both of them have done it for previous clubs. They haven't been great, but they've done it. And if it's a case of doing what Liverpool do and do and just rotating the three of them, where they can just run at will, and if Firmino ends up you know, playing in midfield like Lacazette likes to do and drop back, then fine. If Pepe ends up going left wing and Aubameyang goes right wing for a bit just because they're on that side of the pitch whilst, whilst pressing, fine. Don't worry about it, as long as they know when to track back. Like let get them acclimatized to playing together. Let them get used to knowing right. I need to drop back because Pepe is going to make that run behind the ball, or I need to go forward because Aubameyang is going to try and run behind me. You know, those are the the things that we need to get sorted out now, so that in six months when we're still trying to get third or fourth, we can instead of going right. Well, do, you, do we play a diamond here? Do we play a five at the back, or do we play? Do we play a week? No. Here's our team. This is our best chance of winning. You go try beat that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's what Liverpool have because, you know, the, these players have been playing together for, for a season or more. And just what you mentioned, they all know, yeah, if, if this one is going up front, I need to stay back and track back. So we definitely need to work on that. I mean, it's it's hard to expect that to happen right away with, with Pepe coming in and Ceballos in the field. But... Definitely need to work on that. And once it it you know it's polished and it it works well and they are you know playing well together and as Aubameyang and Lacazette are so far, I think that it would be very very exciting and frightening for others. 
I I was trying to go through my head earlier on Arsenal's options, like for if in case one of those front three go back. Is this like is this the strongest squad we've had since uh, it's since Wenger left? But since even before that, when's the last time we could go right? Well, if if when our wingers get injured, we can have Reese Nelson. Because who, like if, if say Monreal leaves the club and Mustafi leaves the club, touch wood, and Elneny leaves the club, like who's the worst player at the club? Is it Mkhitaryan? Yeah. <laughs> like that's not bad. It looks like that. Yeah. That's not bad. Like you know, like it, that's better than eighteen other teams in the Premiership. Several well, seventeen, obviously. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm- Thanks to the really good transfer window that we had and the younger players, I mean, I'm really still surprised by Joe Willock and how well well he plays. Reese Nelson a bit less, but he's getting into it as well. And Maitland Niles, obviously, he did really well as well. So I think that, yeah, definitely our best best squad, best team since, what, since Alexis left? Yeah, since the... Since the Let's see. Since since the team that retained the FA Cup, anyway. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, just just in terms of right. Well, we we think we've got two good teams here. Because, like I said, if 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 Mavropanos is your fourth best centre back, you're all right. Mm-hmm. If you know Klashnak is your reserve left back, you're all right. If Maitland Niles is re- your reserve right back, you're all right. In terms of centre mid, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, we, well, look, we played we played Jacka, Gwendozi, Willock. You could easily play Torreira, Ceballos, Ozil as a centre mid. It's very attacking, but you know, at teams against at home, you can. Yeah. You know, and if you know, Maitland Niles is centre mid as well. You got Emil Smith Rowe to come back to play can play as a number ten as well. Like the amount the amount of options that we have, yeah, the amount of options that we have is staggering. Definitely. Very looks very promising. Will we will we ever have you know everyone ready? <laughs> well, who's on who's who's injured at the moment? The two fullbacks holding. Who's going to play tomorrow night? Oh yeah, yeah. He's been playing for under twenty threes for a while. Yeah, and it looks like he's going to play the league cup game. When Mauro Panos is injured. <laughs> yeah, but that's about but that's about it, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, like I said it's. Uh, it's weird to come away from Anfield losing three one and you know being deservedly beaten three one, and going ah it doesn't matter. And here's the problem with that: is that a good thing that we're coming away from Anfield at three one down, going it doesn't matter because is it is that a sign that we've settled? Is it a sign that we've gone you know ah well look let's just get fourth like. The fact that we are saying that that fourth will do is that is that just where we, is that just realism is that just you know prudence is that just Arsenal fans being look let's get fourth this year and worry about next year next year or is it just a case of how far we have quote dropped unquote that we're just writing off Anfield's ways to ah well we're going to lose that get rid of it. Well, it's really really a tough one. I don't think it's you know black and white when it comes to this. There are so many different factors to this, to that but yeah I mean this season I do say that top four is is a must and it has to happen until the end of the season and 
sometimes yeah maybe it is more like a damage control situation if that makes sense yeah pick your battles you know don't worry about next year just get me fourth now and then i'll start worrying about the title <laughs> i mean yeah if if things go go surprisingly well sure why not maybe you know in january february if you are still up there and close yeah why not start, start hoping but i've been very very optimistic over the over the years uh, so i've become even a lot more a lot more realistic these days even though we have really a great great squad great team when you look at all the others like i mean don't even mention liverpool and city who are miles ahead of everyone else you never know with any of the teams in in the premier league i mean spurs lost to newcastle at home who says that that couldn't happen to us obviously we won't go in that match thinking like oh my god we might lose this let's go defend but it's it's hard to say so i think that it's not only about us but the overall overall situation in the league and other clubs and everything is has gone it's it's a bit it's much different than you know 10 years ago saying yeah 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 we're losing to Anfield. that's totally fine let's just win top four yeah well 10 years ago everyone was mocking arsenal for treating top four like a trophy <laughs> and now everyone does <laughs> i think that this isn't not only that we have to win top four, I think that it will it will be much easier than last season. I just have that feeling, you know, because I mean, if you have watched Chelsea and United, who are who usually have been our biggest competitors for top four, I don't see much much reason to be worried there. <laughs> that that even for you, that's optimistic. <laughs> it's just. I mean, you said yourself that we have really fantastic squad. They don't have that. And plus That's they have true. their uh, inexperienced uh, managers. No matter what we think of uh, Emery, and I'm not his biggest fan, but he does have much more experience than both Lampard and Solskjaer together, practically. Well, it was, it was the, that time when Thierry Henry was linked with the Arsenal job and we were all going, why? No. <laughs> you know, like, like, yes, obviously he's... Arsenal, one of Arsenal's, if you know, arguably Arsenal's greatest ever player. But like in terms of being a manager, we're like, no, like he has to at least do something first. And yeah, you know, Solskjaer got the United job purely based on being Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You know, Frank Lampard got the Chelsea job pretty much purely on being Frank Lampard. You know, like at least, like you say, with Emery, he has a very decent track record of winning. Yeah, you know, multiple Europe, Europa Leagues. You know, you know. Decent with PSG, really good with Sevilla, really good with Valencia. Like, he's got a track record of doing stuff. And yes, at times he might pick a you know a team that the rest of us will look at and go, what's he trying there? But I suppose, I suppose my, not my concern, my issue is that we're now 14 months into Unai Emery's raid at Arsenal. And I was talking to Lewis Ambrose, our old friend, earlier on Twitter about this, and we I was saying, what's our plan A? <laughs> what's you know, his best team? What's his A? Does he know his best team? Does he know the best way to play? Yeah. And I'm not sure if we know the answer to that yet. And it's it's 14 months. Like Klopp turned up at Liverpool day one, and you saw the complete change in the way they were playing football. Again, it didn't work for a little bit, but you saw a change. With us, it's like it's a new plan every week. It's, you know, 
four four two four two three. I don't want to sound like you know Frank, like you know Mike Bassett, England manager, but it's that press conference. It's like should we play four four two four two three one. Four one two one two five two one two five three two five two three four two two two. We played all of them. We played all of them last year. And Maybe that's the plan. To not have a plan. <laughs> to you know, <laughs> go before the match and pick out the head. What formation are we going? To <laughs> Just a, a lot of machine. And this week's winner is instead, yeah, instead of having numbers, there's got formations on it. And this week's winner is three four one two. Does anybody have a ticket with three four one two? Ah, Lacazette, congratulations, you've won. You win a place at the bench. <laughs> it's I I I'd like to see him stick with something and just go right. Here's what I think is our best team. That's it. And again, again, occasionally you can have to chop and change and, and adapt. Liverpool can go four three one two and drop Firmino back in as a ten. They can you know play a diamond. They can play you know City as we've seen can go three at the back, five at the back, whatever. You know they can play Bernardo Silva left mid, right mid, centre mid, wherever. You know they don't care. That they, they they can do it as well. So like you do need a degree of of tactical flexibility. I just think. There's been two. It, you can go too far the other side. You've got to let players get comfortable. You've got to let them get settled and get used to a certain style of play, so that they can then improve on it themselves. And the more you chop and change, the less you the the, the more actually you do you deprive your players of that of getting a routine, getting confidence in knowing what they're doing, getting settled. And I just wonder all of this changing and chopping, where it's. it's it, Short term it might work, but long term it just doesn't help the team gel as well as it should. I wonder how their trainings look like. Did they go through different formations every day or like today we are playing this one, tomorrow we are trying this one? You'd hope so. <laughs> but at the same time, with so many new players coming in, I mean, you know, you've got a new right winger, a new centre mid, a new full you've got two new full and uh, one new full back, a new centre back. Like you know, the way Chelsea played last year under Sarri and the way Arsenal try to play this year are completely different. So the idea that David Luiz will just walk in and play the way we want him to play in our system is, you know, really unfair on him. And that takes time. And if we had a settled system and we can go, right, well, you're going to play there, it'll be a couple of weeks, get used to it, then we'll be fine. But if we're constantly changing the way... The, the requirements of the players, then how are the players supposed to get used to the role we want them to play when we keep changing that role? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's... It, yeah. it, you, you can have, like I said, you can, you can do too much. You know, you can, you, can, you can complicate it far too much for your own sake. And that is probably what happened on Saturday. Where he's like, well, I need the players to do this, 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 and this. And if one of them goes wrong, you lose. And one of them did go wrong, we lost. Was it that last season when uh, Alexi Wobi came on and didn't know what where to stand, what to play? Yeah. A couple of times, actually. Yeah, that's the situation. That's and he ended up just basically standing beside Ozil. Yeah. And that's a, that's a problem. But, again, when, you've, when you're going from... Three four one two to five two three to five two one two. How is he supposed to know? You know, like like even like it happened uh, for Newcastle game one of the season where they brought on uh, Jetro Williams, who they had bought as a as a fullback but had been playing centre mid 
in Frankfurt because Frankfurt have a really good fullback. And Williams was like, no, 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 get me out of here. I want to play fullback. And then with 10 minutes to go, Steve Bruce brings him on and says, look, you play centre mid. And he's like, no, I was brought here to play fullback. So he runs to fullback. And Bruce is going, what are you doing? You're a centre midfielder. And you can see him having an argument in the field. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, 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 you know, it can happen to other clubs too. I just... Like I said, I just all I'm not a big fan of chopping and changing for chopping and changing's sake. You know, like at some stage you, you've got to pick a way you want to play and have confidence in that and go, right, here's here's our team. This is what we want to do, this is how we want to play, this is how we're going to attack, this is how we're going to defend. You stop us instead of constantly changing it to prevent the other team from scoring. Because a team like Arsenal shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, and we weren't promised that. We were promised to be protagonists, right? Yeah. Attacking you, and everything. Yeah. You know, but you know, changing your plan every game to make sure that that is that is accepting your role as, quote, the lesser team. That is accepting that you're Stoke, you're Blackburn, you're Burnley, you're Newcastle. You're, you know, that you're going to change the way you play for a certain game because you're afraid of getting beaten. And the moment you do that, the other side goes, oh, great, they've changed the way they're played. Lovely. So they're going to have no idea how to play that system because they've only practiced it for a week. Meanwhile, we've been training the same way for six months. We're going to thrash them. And they usually do. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the part that people have mostly, mostly have the problem with, that we don't have the go-to team information. So Sunday, half four, Tottenham. What, what would what would be your go-to formation? What's the team you're picking? Oh. <laughs> so you think that the Mercedes will still won't be ready, right? I think they're. I think they'll they'll just give them the week off and go look, go off, take two weeks off, get their head right. I promise you, if you're fit, I will pick you for the first game after the break, and then you play four three three. You go Leno, probably Kalashnikov now. Now that now that it looks like Monreal's gone, um, David Luiz, Socrates, Maitland Niles. I don't think Holding's going to play it for the League Cup, but again, give him two weeks. Yeah, no, no, don't don't rush him because if your idea is that Holding's going to be your centre back for the next ten years and David Luiz is going to be your centre back for the next eighteen months, there's no point rushing him. And Luiz and Socrates are a good. Good they're all right. They're, yeah, again, yeah. Arsenal for 40 minutes defended quite well. They just let cross after cross after cross come in and cross after cross after cross got knocked out. Mm-hmm. You know, they defended it quite well. Uh, Torreira has to play Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Chaka, I mean, I'm not sure if he deserves to be dropped. I mean, he's not the most spectacular player, but I think that he did really well against Liverpool. Uh, in the job he was asked to do... Yeah. Just sit in front of the back ball, back four, and knock the ball around. Yeah, but is that? Do you need one of them at home? Yeah, that's the thing. Like that. That's why if you, if you're gonna play Xhaka and Torreira, then you can only play one of Ceballos, Willock, and Guendouzi. I think that he 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 will he will drop Guendouzi. You know, and that's probably that that might be what happens. He goes. He goes. Jacket just to say, Torreira do all the running, and then Savoy has to get the ball and try and link up with the front three. I played the front three. Mm, yeah, yeah. I go here. I don't care. Where this is Arsenal versus Tottenham. Here's our best three attackers. Try to defend them. I bloody dare you. 
and uh, the crowd will love it. And the crowd will love it. Just get the crowd pumped up. You know, for, here it is, first game back. And let them figure it out themselves. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Fine. But make a statement and go, right, here's our best three attackers. We're playing all of them. <laughs> I, dare, I dare you to try and press us because if we get the ball past your press, you are done. <laughs> That's really getting me excited. <laughs> and that, that, that would be my plan. Now, whether he does that, like I said, there's a there, he can he can he can make a statement here. He can show that yes, he's up for it, and yes, he wants to win, or he can go ah, I nah, I don't know, I'm gonna play it safe. There are times to play it safe, and feel away is probably one of them. At home to Tottenham isn't. Yeah, I mean it's really tough to tough to see what he will do because of the all those matches against what was Huddersfield or Burnley last season at home. Where he played really defensively as well. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like there, there, there's times and places for being pragmatic. Last weekend was probably one of them. This weekend isn't. No, definitely. Will they win? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I, I really think so. I'm. Yes, I was confident for Liverpool, <laughs> but that was just a, maybe a bit of. False, false hope, but I think that this, yeah, definitely. I would be shocked if Arsenal didn't win this. Yeah. And I'm saying that as 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 you know, long term listeners would know me, me me being Mr. Pessimistic on this show. Spurs were ruddy awful against Newcastle. Just hoping for the penalty. Yeah, which by the way, which wasn't a penalty. <laughs> like uh, the thing about VAR is that it is going to change the way the game is played. In some cases, for worse. In you know, like handballs and stuff like that, it's and you're know, calling for offsides that are completely out of the way of play, like the offside that was nearly called for the Wolves goal against United. <laughs> you know, like I was th- no, don't don't do that. <laughs> no, but then you've got yeah, and look, VAR's going to change the way referees ref the game. You know, like Mike Mike Dean in the Tottenham game refused to give any decisions of any note because he was like, ah, I'm not sure. I'll let VAR sort that out. And as a result, instead of Mike Dean making a gut decision and thinking, okay, well, Harry Kane's been caught there. He's probably being fouled. I'll give a penalty. And then if VAR tells me I'm wrong, I'm wrong. He's now going, hmm, Harry Kane had three opportunities to shoot there. He went down. I wonder if it was an actual tackle. I won't give it. If VAR says I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's subtle, but it immediately changes the way attackers have to play. Because now they can't rely on a faintest amount of contact and then amplify that, make it look like they've been clipped and go down. Which Harry Kane is brilliant at. <laughs> you know, he is he is the king of just bouncing off you and make it look like you've assaulted him. Especially in the box. But as the camera as the as the camera view showed, the ball is on his right foot twelve yards out. And he is deliberately and repeatedly refusing to shoot. Because he's waiting for the scales to come round him and clip him. Yeah, just waiting for the penalty. That's all he was waiting for. Yeah. He was just, he was literally shielding the ball away from the goal in the hope that the, de- that the defender would clip him so he could have a penalty. And as a result, the ref was going, nah, you can't have that. <laughs> you know, but that will change the way he plays. I in, think in, it was... Uh, Dennis Bergkamp said in his book that he can't understand that if you have the ball and have space to run with the ball and perhaps score or assist or anything, why would you fall? But you fall because you think you can get a penalty. 
Yeah, but that's like an easy way out, you know. It is an easy way out, but it's but it's more efficient. Like, why why risk missing when you can have a penalty? And over the last few years, more refs have been given more fouls for the faintest of contacts. And as a result, more players have been going down more often because more refs have been given softer penalties. And you know, it's it 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 got to the stage where. People were saying, you know, people started saying, Jesus, hasn't he done well for staying up? And then that player getting criticised for not going down. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how bad it was getting, where we were actually t- starting to tell our players, no, you have to take a dive there. Like, as soon as, that should have been the warning sign. But it goes the other side as well. I mean, if you've seen the like, young Daniel James from, from Man United. Yeah. He he was... been, he's been Zahad. Yeah, I mean he, that he, he's taken what he's taken one dive and got booked for it, and now any time a defender goes like clatters him, like yeah. he, he'd almost have to break his leg before he gets before he gets a penalty now for yeah. one. Meanwhile, there are you know serial divers around the country for every club who can get fouls for nothing because they're not seen as one of those di- one of those players. But Daniel James, because he done it once in his first game, refs have gone no 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 you're not getting away with that. And because frustrating. It's frustrating, but that's how games have been refed for 50 years. And again, with VAR, that'll change because the more times Daniel James gets fouled and the more referees that don't give it and the more times VAR goes back to them because, look, he got fouled. Would you give him a penalty? Yeah, but what when it's not in the penalty area? The yellow he got for a dive uh, against Palace, I think it was outside the penalty area. Yeah, well, you would hope that those tackles are reviewed by the by the match by the the match referee authority and gone right. Can we clamp down? But again, with VAR showing big decisions like the Newcastle one and more referees erring on the side of caution, we might see less cards given for simulation because referees don't want to make a mistake. You know that—that's what I mean. Like the more VAR gets involved, the more referees will rely on VAR to correct them, so they won't give a decision, and then they'll wait for VAR to go. No, 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 no. You need to go back. In the same way with goal line technology, you, they won't give a goal now until the until the watch on the wrist goes not to goal. Yeah, but I think that that's different because it's goal line technology. It's, it's oh, it's a certainty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But that's my point. Like they'll rely on it in the same way because. They will be convinced that if VAR again shows something to be quote clear and obvious, even though the joys of football, the joys of football only in football can there not be a clear and obvious definition of the phrase clear and obvious. <laughs> you know, like 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 that's that's where football is at the moment. You know, our our decision making process are so skewed towards what we want as a biased football fan that they've become so ingrained into the way we watch football that when we see a routine decision, we always judge it from one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you'll have you know Tottenham who will be delighted that VAR went their way one week and saying, you know, VAR, VAR, and then the next week completely der- you know make derisory comments about it because it didn't give it a decision their way. You know, it's... It's, it's normal. I mean, it, it is normal. And it's going to ta- it's going to take some time for both fans to get used to the fact that, you know, VAR doesn't care about you and for refs to, you know, get it out of their system of relying on VAR. And one way or the other, it's just going to change the way the game is played because either 
Players will stop diving because they'll get cut out more often. Players will stop pulling back on other t- other players' jerseys because VAR will show it, no matter how big or small the jersey is, David Luiz. <laughs> and refs will become either more or less confident in the way they ref a game because they will either rely on VAR to correct them every time or the opposite. Because you're going to get some refs that will go, no, I don't need VAR. There's going to be some, that, that I guarantee you, just to, just to be the opposite. Because, that, because that's how refs are. You get one... Mike Dean is not one of them. Yeah, well, I think I, I think what Mike Dean is making the point of going, well, I'm not, you know, you're trying to convince me into giving an argument. I've got backup. I'm using backup. Go away. And I think he's gonna be he's gonna make that point where you're gonna get other referees that are going, no, I'm gonna have the conviction of my, I'm gonna make VAR prove me wrong. And it's still the actual referee human making the decisions in in the VAR. Yeah. So it's not like everything is taken mm. away from... That's my favourite VAR rule, that you have to be... That no one's allowed into the VAR room that's unauthorised and <laughs> you'll get sent off. Like, you know the person who wrote that is in is in the VAR room and he doesn't want none of your bleep. He wants none... He doesn't want to hear your whinging, your crying, your moaning, your bitching, your going... Oh, I'm so no. Anyone who's not allowed in the room is immediately sent off. Which is hilarious because... The PL's VAR system is in Stockley Park, miles away from any ground in the country. <laughs> so if you get there, like you almost deserve a round of applause and a kebab. Never mind a red card, <laughs> just for the commitment, just to go. You know, so it, like like I said, they've been rules made for VAR. The new handball rule is made for VAR, where it's they've tried to take the subjectiveness out of it to go. Well, if it's handball. If it, if the if his hands are outside the line of his body, they shouldn't be there. If the ball hits his hand, it's handball, and they've done that so that VAR doesn't have to look at it. And go, but did he mean it? Did he have intent? Did he, is, was he was he in an unnatural position? You know all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. You know if it's handball, it's handball. It's not. It's not. And that's a big change to the way the game is played, because now defenders are having to jump with their hands beside their side, and as a result, they can't jump as high. You know, so it's it's going to be interesting over the next, at least the next few weeks anyway, to see how the game settles and how both players and referees get used to the fact that basically daddy's home and he's watching. <laughs> I think he's already looking a bit better than in the first round. Yeah, and it'll take, you know, it'll bed in. You know, people will get used to certain routines and certain ways of, you know, acting and they won't do what um, Pereira did for Watford where they'll just stand in the ref's way. And shout var 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 go to var go to var go to var. Whenever he tried to turn away, and Pereira walked all the way around him, so he blocking his view of the game, going var 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 to try and get a, a decision to go to var, and it did, and it was clearly not a pen. And how the referee didn't tell him to go bleep himself, I'll never know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but that I think covers anything, any everything, anything else, Anita, before we go. Were you, were you checking the phone? Is not just still Arsenal player. <laughs> I, I, I'm recording at 6pm on a Monday evening. Nacho Monreal is still an Arsenal player. But you'll hear about, if he does move, you'll hear about it obviously on Arsenal. You'll hear about it on dailycanon.com, who are on FootMob as well. Yeah. F-O-T-M-O-B dot com. It's a bit, bit like live score news now, combined into the one. It's rather good. It's a really fun app. Yeah. And that, that that's not a sponsored ad by ad by the way. You know, I'm not getting paid for that. Although if, if you do want to pay me for map, I I am available for all investment. 
But no, it's just a nice, clean-looking app that gives, gives me the scores and the news at the same time. Happy days. Yeah, definitely. I have remembered one thing that I wanted to mention. Go on. The women team. They have I mean, beaten Spurs 6-0. Well, it's six nil. I think. I think the, the the key point about the the women's game is that Jordan Nobbs is back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And scored after a long injury. <laughs> the it was two hundred eighty days out with an ACL, and just to hope that she's back. Not just back, but back as the Jordan Nobbs that we know. That's the thing. Like, like getting healthy is one thing. Getting back match fit and back to where you were before you had the injury is quite another. And it looks like. Hope well, you know, game one. It looks like you know it's against Spurs. <laughs> it's a nice uh, preparation for the next week. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know. So obviously, everyone here at Daily Can wishes her the best of luck, and you know, just stay healthy. You know, stay healthy, get back your form because you're bloody brilliant, and we need you. Okay. And I think that's the end of that. And Ija Sambal, thank you very much for joining us. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, it was it was fun, even though the result wasn't. <laughs> it looked, well, speaking of not fun, Matthew Wade is back next week after his after his stage exploits. He's not <laughs> stage again. He, he's actually te- it's actually he's actually becoming successful now. It's annoying. <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Uh, well, eh, yeah. Come on. Look. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I yeah. So News Talk asked me to come on their show every week. Listeners, if you haven't heard it, it, news talk, if you if you're not aware news talk, it's basically Ireland's version of talk sport, except you know far more classy. <laughs> and yeah, they've asked me to come on the show every. It's the pod is called Team Thirty Three. It's on every. It'd be released every Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. And if you don't get the pod, we're on news talk on the radio between Friday at nine and ten p.m. So if this voice does help you go to sleep, good news, you can go to sleep Friday nine to ten on news talk, <laughs> and. And this to me, but yeah, just that's yeah. Thanks. I mean, you know, like that, like you know, we do this pod for a for a hobby. But thank you to live for listening. You know, like I said, there's some of us that are getting you know proper full time jobs out of this, and we can only be thankful for your support and your continued listenership. So, thanks very much, listener. We will we will talk to you next week. Hopefully, again in a really good mood and better result. Exactly. Good luck, Mr. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.